Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. I'm so glad that you are here today. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. As Sarah said, we're starting a brand new series called Testing Positive, and I hope you'll be with us each week. But you know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the, the avid duck hunter that was looking for a new bird dog? So he searched and searched, and he finally found one. And he bought this dog because this dog had the unique ability to walk on the water. Sure enough, he could walk on the water. And so as he went and picked up the dog, and he's trying to think, how am I going to tell my friends? Because he had a hunter friend that was really just a negative person, just a negative uh, no positive uh, energy at all. And he thought, well, he won't even believe it, so I'm just going to take him hunting. So the next day, they, uh, he picked him up. They took him out to the duck blind. And so as the team of ducks uh, uh, flew by, they shouldered their guns, and they shot it. And sure enough, that dog took off running across the water, picked up the, uh, the duck, and brought it back. And he looked over at his friend. His friend didn't say anything. Nothing at all. Didn't even acknowledge it. And so he got in the truck on the way home, and he looked over and said, Hey, did you notice anything unusual about my dog? He said, I sure did. He said, what? He said, he can't swim. (laughs) And so, you know, I think on occasion we may have a friend or two like that. You know, that we have something really exciting, something that we want to share, something like that, and then all of a sudden... He can't swim. Well, let's get started. Um, We're facing an epidemic. It's all around us. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our schools. It's in our grocery stores. It's even on social media. And it's impacted every one of us here today. And there's no cure. And it's not the coronavirus And it's not social justice. You say, what is it? It's the epidemic of negativity. And that's really why we are focused on this new series, Testing Positive. Because over the next several weeks, I want to combat the contagious disease of negativity. And you say, how did it get so bad and how does it spread? It spreads through our words. And we've quickly learned that words matter. Words are like seeds, that when you plant a word, when you plant a seed, then something grows out of that. And if you can continue to say those words, that's going to be the path that you walk on. Because you see, your life will move in the direction of your words. And that's why it's so important for us to learn to watch our words. So the big idea of this series is simply this. You cannot talk negative and expect to live a positive life. You cannot talk negative and expect to live a positive life. You cannot talk defeat and expect to live in victory. I want this church to live in victory. 
I want us to learn what it means to speak life, to speak hope, and to speak a positive message. And that positive message is Jesus. And over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into God's word and we're going to ask God to speak to us and let his word cleanse us. We're going to say, God, get the junk out of our lives and fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we are going to test positive. I believe we're going to start a movement. We're going to start a movement of inspiring hope, hope in this church, hope in this community, and those people that we come in contact with said, yes, there is a better day coming. We're going to start this series by looking at uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 1 in the New Testament. Paul shares this story of how he overcame the negativity of his generation to live a positive life and, and have uh, overcame the negative influences of his life. When you read the book, you'll see that, that, that Paul was determined to be happy no matter what happened in his life. At this point in his life, when he's writing this book, things were bad. He was uh, living out a two-year sentence. He had been in uh, prison in Rome for two years, and prior to that, he had spent two years in a uh, prison in Caesarea for something, uh, for a false charge. He appealed to Caesar, and so when they were moving him from Caesarea prison over to the prison in Rome, he boarded a ship, big storm, uh, sank the ship. He ended on a um, private, on a small island, and there he was bitten by a poisonous snake. By the grace of God, he survived that, ended, back, he ended up in Rome, and there he's serving out this sentence, being chained to a Roman a prisoner. Paul had every reason to be negative. He had every reason to be unhappy. He had every reason to be depressed. Just like some of you. You have every reason to be unhappy. You have every reason to be negative. You have every reason to be depressed. You're just angry. You're just mad. You're, you're mad because maybe your spouse left you or, or maybe you're mad because uh, you're mad at your kids or maybe you're mad at your parents or, or maybe you're frustrated at work. Or maybe you don't have a job and you feel like you'll never be able to get past this season in your life. You have every reason to be negative, and so did Paul. But instead of being negative, Paul made a decision to be positive, and he wrote a book about his experiences. We look at the book of Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read you a few verses. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. But others, others preach Christ out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. 
But really, what does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. Paul made a decision that he was going to rejoice despite the problems that he was faced with. In fact, as I look at this chapter, I believe that every one of us can experience joy or can find joy in the midst of our problems by embracing four principles from the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Here's the very first one. And he would say to us, I want you to look at every problem from God's viewpoint. I want you to look at every problem from God's viewpoint. You know, you can be positive or you can be negative. You have this choice. But if you will look at every problem from God's viewpoint, you will lean toward the positive. Because positive people see a different perspective. Positive people see the big picture. They focus on the possibilities and not on the problems. They're grateful. They're grateful for what they have, and they don't complain about what they don't have. Positive people, they know that God is in control, and no matter what really happens to them, they know that nothing's going to happen to them outside of God's sphere of protection. Positive people, we have this choice. Are we going to be a, a positive person are we going to lean toward the negative? I realize that some of you are in some difficult situations. And I realize that you're looking for something to change. Could it be that God is already working behind the scenes to bring that to pass? In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul has said this. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, let me explain what's going on here. Paul had this lifelong dream to preach in the city of Rome. I mean, Rome was the capital of the Roman Empire, the largest empire. It was the most important city of the world in that day. So there's this desire for him to be in that place of influence, to be in that place of wealth and that place of strategy and to challenge those people uh, with the message of Jesus Christ. I would imagine that he envisioned himself uh, filling the stadiums there with, uh, with hundreds, maybe thousands of people. But God had another idea. God had another plan. Instead of preaching in Rome, Paul became this prisoner in Rome, the prisoner of the emperor Nero. Instead of preaching in a large auditorium, Paul was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. For two years. But God had another plan because while he was chained uh, to this Roman guard for two years, 24 hours a day, he had an opportunity to talk to people that he would have never been given the opportunity to talk to. In fact, we learn later in the book that Paul actually led some of Nero's family to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of being chained to these Roman guards. But not only that, too, Paul had an opportunity to write. He was so busy prior to this, but he had an opportunity to write. 
So while he was there chained, he wrote the book of Romans. He wrote the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He wrote Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians. He wrote 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. He wrote 20% of the New Testament section of the Bible. And so I believe that's why Paul wrote that says, being in prison has helped me spread the gospel. Paul made a decision that he was going to test positive. He could have gone in there and gone negative and said, man, and started complaining for all of the things that he has had to go through. But yet, he said, I'm going to test positive. I'm going to do what I can do. I am going to look at every problem from God's viewpoint. Here's the second thing he said. He said, don't let other people control your attitude. Don't let other people control your attitude. Have you noticed that there, there's a great tendency that I deal with, that probably most of us deal with, that when we get around a lot of negative people, we kind of lean that way. It's very easy just to kind of embrace um, the attitude of the world system, and that definitely leans negative. Paul describes four types of people in, these, uh, in this chapter, four types of people that you and I have to deal with. He talks about his critics. He talks about his comrades, his friends. But he also talks about his uh, competitors and his conspirators. And when you look at those four things, you'll see yourself in his story. In chapter 1 and verse 15, he said, "It It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. So he's talking, first of all, about his critics, those people that are working against him. And it says, when we see the word rivalry, it's the actual Greek word is eros, which means people who love to argue. Do you know of anybody like that? That they just love to pick a fight. They just love to argue. You'll get in a normal conversation, and before you know it, this normal conversation has escalated to the place where uh, it's loud and boisterous, and you're arguing with this person. That's what Paul said these people are. They just love, <coughs> they just love to, to argue and to, and to pick a fight. And so many times, these people use their words to criticize and to tear down. We see this all over cable news. They'll bring in two guests there to present a, a different viewpoint. And before you know it, those two guests are arguing with each other. And to the point you can't even understand either one of their viewpoints because of uh, the loudness of their words. People love to argue. They love to be critical. Critical of the, somebody else that's not like them. And I'm telling you where this happens most of all is not on cable news, even though it happens on that probably 75% of the time, but it happens on social media. You can try to do, uh, be as positive as possible, and then before you know it, something can turn very dark and very negative. I've, uh, during this, the last several months, uh, there have been on occasion several times that that I said, I want to try to lift people up. My goal here is to lift people up. My goal is to inspire people. My goal is to, is to speak hope. And so when I see something positive, specifically when it comes to the coronavirus, I want to lift people up. I want to give people faith, faith to believe that a better, a better day is coming. 
And so oftentimes I will, I will post something that uh, is positive, some good numbers, some good reports, somebody that's been healed, somebody that's come through it. And on occasion, I will have people uh, hijack my conversation and turn it to a very dark and to a very negative uh, viewpoint to the point where by the end of the day, I've just deleted the whole conversation. Because I'm not going to allow that negativity of this world to come and try to uh, infiltrate a positive message of Jesus. But yet we struggle with that, don't we? And that's just one example. I am sure you could give me example after example of where you were saying something to lift somebody else up and somebody else came in with a different viewpoint to try to tear somebody uh, down. And so we've got to be uh, sensitive to this. So many times people are critical because they're jealous and they will do whatever they can to tear you down to try to make themselves uh, look better. Nobody talks about people that, um, that are not people of influence or people uh, that are making a difference. And so I just want you to understand that you are a leader, that God has raised you up. You are a person of influence in your schools. You are a person of influence in this community. You're a person of influence in this church, in this region. And God is raising you up for such a time as this. But understand that as God raises you up, maybe it's at the hospital that you work at, maybe it's in the business, maybe it's in the military, as God is raising you up, that you are going to have a target on your back. Because for whatever reason, people do not want to see other people doing well. People are going to come at you because they see you, but don't allow them and their negativity to come and to control your attitude. I want you to make a decision to choose joy. I want you to make a decision to be positive. You see, I want positive people have a way of focusing on possibilities, not on problems. Positive people are grateful for what they have, and they don't complain about what they don't have. Positive people know that God is in control and that God is going to see them through whatever challenge and whatever difficulty that comes their way. Verse 16, Paul talks about some of his friends, the good guys. He talked about the, the critics, but then he talks about his comrades. He said, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He's talking about his friends. You know, we all need friends that will lift us up. That's why we talk about small groups a lot here at Stevens Creek, because we live in a negative world and we need somebody to come and to lift us up. We need somebody to remind us that we're the head and not the tail and we're above and not beneath. We need somebody to tell us that we're going to get through this. We need that circle of friends that are going to be that positive influence. And that's why it's so important to be in a small group. That's why it's so important to be here in church. You got enough negative things out in the culture. You got enough negative things you've got to deal with. 
Shouldn't there be a place that you can come and hear a positive message of Jesus Christ, something that's going to lift you up and bring encouragement to you? We need that. And we need friends. We need comrades that will walk alongside of us. And that when we trip and fall, and we will, that we'll have somebody to reach down and pick us up and help us along the way. Paul talks about four different types of people here in, in these uh, verses. He talks about the critics how are trying to tear people down. He's talking about his, his friends, his comrades. And then he talks about his competitors. Now, for those of you that, uh, that maybe you're in school, maybe you've, had, uh, you've been part of an athletic team, you know the, the joy and the fierceness of uh, good competition. There's nothing like it. I love a good game. But you know, uh, when you move into business, there's nothing like having good competitors in business. But you know, there's some people who play fair and some people who do not play fair. And you've got to understand that. And you've got to allow the, you've got to be strong that when the people who do not play fair come against you, that you're not going to let it to discourage you. You know, 16 years ago, Patty and I started a, uh, a business called Secure Give, and through that time, we have served over 2,000 churches across America. And in the early days, we were uh, blazing a new trail that people hadn't done before, but in the last five years, we've had a lot of competitors come into the marketplace. And uh, some of these competitors, uh, they're publicly traded companies, and uh, they're well-funded, and they don't see the business as a ministry, but they see the business as a transactional banking business. And so they're ruthless. They will lie, cheat, steal. They'll do whatever they can to try to get ahead. An example of this is we received a, uh, an email from one of our customers and said, I didn't know Marty left SecureGive. And, and I said, what are you talking about? And so they sent a letter that the competitor had sent out and said, Marty Baker pastors a church talking about you and he left their platform and came to ours and you need to do the same. So it didn't matter if it's truthful or anything. It had a, a bit of truth in it. And so what we see in life is that sometimes people don't play fair. But it's not my life, it's your life. There are people in your life that do not play fair. There are people in your life that's gonna lie to you, cheat, you, know, you steal from you and try to do everything possible to bring you down. And what I am saying to you is don't allow these competitors to steal uh, your joy. Don't allow these competitors to get you discouraged. But you've got to press through um, their, their lives and um, you've got to press through uh, the issues and you'll get through the other side. Now, it may not be uh, a sports team or a business that you're competing with. It could be something as simple as, as your lawn, your yard. Some of you go after that, uh, the yard of the month club. Have you ever had that sign in your yard? I haven't had that yet, but maybe one day. You know, we have competition, right? And so we go after something like that. And, and if you are into that, I'll tell you, today is the day you need to go to the Lowe's and get some ryegrass because it's time to plant ryegrass if you want to beat your neighbor. 
Okay, let's say it's not your yard that you're, you're competing with, but maybe it's your kids. Uh, I have an honor roll student, and you've got the sticker on your car. Or how about this, or your kid's sports team, or, or you, you're just in fierce competition with it. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's at work. Maybe uh, it's in uh, the hairstyle you have, or the, or the clothes you wear, or the shoes you wear. But we have this nature in us to compete with one another. And there are times that when we get into fierce competition with somebody else, that we get to a point where it brings stress on our lives. And I just want to say to you to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and, and remind yourself that promotion doesn't come from the left or the right, but it comes from the Lord. And put your life and put your career in God's hands and ask God to anoint your abilities and to give you that ability uh, to do your job well and to protect you as you do it. Let's move on. Not only do you have critics and competitors, but you also have conspirators. You have enemies that really try to stir up trouble. We see that in the next verse, verse 17. It said, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chain. These people were troublemakers. They were stirring up trouble for, for Paul. Even while he is in prison, they're working behind the scenes to hurt him, to stir up trouble. You know, the number one tool of a troublemaker is gossip. That's the number one tool. They'll work behind the scenes to spread as many vicious rumors as possible. So how does Paul respond to this? How does he respond to those critics and those uh, competitors and those conspirators? Look at verse 18. He said, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, that Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. He's saying, I am going to be positive, and I'm going to continue to be positive. I am not going to allow other people to control my attitude. Being positive is the choice. You get to choose. And I believe that your attitude will determine your altitude. Your attitude will determine how, how you go. Don't let anybody control that. Here's the third thing. He's saying, choose to trust God. Choose to trust that God will work things out. Choose to trust that God is going to work things out. When things are falling apart, it's easy to try to, try to fix the situation on your own. But those are the times that you need the Lord the most. You know, we just completed 21 days of prayer. And when we were in 21 days of prayer, I said, all of us, have an opportunity to respond. We can worship or we can worry. The more you worship, the less you're going to worry. 
And so there's something spiritual about that, that when we are going through challenging times and difficult seasons, that we can turn our attention to the Lord and we begin to worship and to honor him and to praise him. And as we start to praise and worship him, you'll see that that worry and that stress that you're struggling with, it's going to go down. I also said during 21 days that you can either pray or you can panic. And we're in a season in our country where there's a lot of people who are panicking. But I just want to remind you, you don't have to panic because there's a power that is greater than yourself. It is the power of the Lord and you can receive that and he is going to give you the strength to get through this. Paul said, yes, I'll continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision, through your prayers and God's provision, through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I'm going to be set free. I'm going to get through this. Paul had this. He said, yeah, I may be stuck right here in this small prison cell. But I'm going to get through this. Some of you feel like you are stuck. You're stuck in this same place and you've been wrestling with this. It is like that you have been placed in God's waiting room and you can't get out. Pastor Branton from our South Campus preached a message on waiting on the Lord last Sunday on this, on this stage. And if you missed that, I want you to go to our website, stevenscreekchurch.com and watch that message. Because so many of us feel like that we're in a waiting room. So many of us feel like that everybody else is moving faster and further than us. And why can't we get through this? Could it be that God has you right where you are because he is developing you into the person that he wants you to be? Could it be that God's blessings are so great that you can't even, that you're not prepared enough right now to receive what he has for you? Hear me on that. But God has you in this place because he is developing you on the inside out. He is, he is developing your character because God has a better plan for your life. He can see things which you don't see. And I'm here telling you and encouraging you to put your trust in God, but I want to add something to that. Not only do I want you to put your trust in God, but I want you to trust God's timing. I want you to trust his timing. Trust that he is going to work it out, but those doors are going to open at the right time. That opportunity is going to come at the right time. So trust him in this. Choose to trust that God's going to work things out. Here's the fourth and final one. I want you to focus on your purpose and not on your problems. I want you to focus on your purpose. You have a purpose. God has called you. God has gifted you. God has anointed you. You have a purpose. And so many times we lose sight of our purpose because we're overwhelmed with all of the problems that are coming our way. And Paul, through his example, has said to focus on our purpose. But it's interesting here. That things are not going well in Paul's life. He's in prison here. 
And he feels like his, his purpose is out preaching the gospel. But you've got to understand that God used a prison cell in Paul's life to push him into his purpose. God used a prison cell. God put him in prison so he would have time to lead leaders to Jesus Christ and also to write 20% of the New Testament. You see, God used a prison cell to push Paul to his purpose. There are times when God will close every opportunity, every door of opportunity, and he'll close it tight. And you will feel like that you're not making any progress, but God is redirecting your steps. God is redirecting your focus. God is redirecting you so that you can truly live out the purpose that he has for you. And he will use whatever. God will use loss, the loss of a job. God will use betrayal, the betrayal of a close friend. God will use persecution. He will use all of these things out there uh, to give us an opportunity to change. God forced Paul to change by, by putting him into prison. God is working behind the scenes in your life to lead you to, on the path that he wants you to go. And you've got to allow him to do the work. You've got to allow him to move in your life. You've got to focus on your purpose, not on all those problems. You've got to let some people go because there are people that are negative influences in your life that are taking you to a place that you don't need to go. You need to let those people go. You've got to come to the place where you let the wrong people walk out of your life so that the right people can walk in it. You've got to let the wrong people walk out of your life so that the right people can walk in it. You will become like the five closest friends that you have. And when you surround yourself with negative influences of those five closest friends, you're going to find yourself walking down that path. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Don't lose sight of that. And I know you feel stuck, but hear this. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And God loves you too much to let you stay where you are. And you've got to be willing to, that when he closes that door, that instead of running to somebody else, you run to him. And when that door opens, that you're willing to step out in faith. Paul understood his purpose. And he summed it all up in verse 21. He said, for me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was his purpose. And he focused on his purpose, not on his problems. So we look at this chapter and we said there's four things that if we embrace these four things, 
that we will be able to have joy in the midst of our problems. What are they? We're going to look at every problem from God's viewpoint. We're not going to allow other people to control our attitudes. We're going to choose to trust that God's going to work it out. And we are going to focus on our purpose, not on our problems. Over the next few minutes, I want to give us an opportunity to talk to the Lord. I believe that God is here today to speak to you. I don't know exactly what you're going through. I don't even need to know. But God knows. God knows the pressure that you feel. God knows the stress that you sense. God knows the fear of what may or may not happen. And you are, you've in, embraced that fear. Whatever you're dealing with, we want to come to the Lord today and we want to cry out to him. We are going to pray and we're not going to panic. And some of the most powerful prayers that we can offer up are two-word prayers. Have you prayed two-word prayers before? They sound like this, God help me. God help me. God heal me. How about this, God forgive me. Have you prayed that two-word prayer? God, lead me. God, guide me. Oftentimes, it's in the simplicity of the two-word prayer that our soul connects to our purpose and our soul connects to our, the God of our purpose. And over the next few minutes, I just want you to be open. I want you to be open to God speaking to you. I want you to, uh, to be willing to receive what God has for you. Right here and right now. So what is it that you need from the Lord? What is that thing that is causing you to panic? What is that thing that's causing you to worry? What is that thing that has frustrated you? Who are those people that are competing against your well-being? Who are those people who are conspiring to take you under? God is bigger than any problem. God is bigger than any person that is trying to war against you. But we've got to come to the place where we admit it, we need help. That we need God's power in us. So we're going to pray today. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to believe that God's going to touch you right where you are. So you ready? I want you to think about those. Uh, over the last several minutes, God's brought various images to your mind. I want you to think about those places where you're weak, those places where you're stressed, those places where you're hurting, those places where you've been sinful. And today is the day we're going to deal with those. Okay, you ready? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those watching online. I pray for those watching on demand. God, we call out your name, and we're asking you today to come and help us. God, I'm speaking to people who are depressed. I'm speaking to people who are, are feeling that They've lost their momentum. They've lost their passion. 
God, I'm speaking to people that are hurting. They're covered in fear. And I'm asking that you would come right now in this moment and that you would lay hands on your people, these people, God, our people, that you would lay hands on us, that you would allow your presence to come and to spring healing and to speak life and to speak um, help. And Father, I pray specifically for those that have never made Jesus their Lord. You've never been saved. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. I want you to say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you'd have me to be. I give you my life. And Father, I pray for families today. I pray for families that, where there's been stress and tension. I pray, God, for finances. Those individuals that they feel like uh, that they are not going to be able to get through the rest of the month. God, I ask specifically that you would make a way in their lives where there seems to be no way. I pray, Father, for those uh, students that have uh, student loan debt. I pray that you would make a way, that you would show yourself uh, generous. God, that you would show yourself mighty, that you would show yourself powerful. God, that you would open up the windows of heaven and you would pour out blessings that people would see uh, answers to prayers that, they, uh, um, that, that, that been, they've been praying for. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands like this. Put it in my mouth. And say this. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. Say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. I receive your help. I receive your love. I receive your strength in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you today. Amen. We give him praise. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.